Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing today? All right, here's the deal. Anybody still have a little bit of a turkey hangover? Eat a little too much turkey out there? I hope not, because I need you to stay with me tonight, okay? Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is my favorite time of the year. I'm big on Christmas. I go, I go big on Christmas in every way, celebrate Christmas. And I don't know uh, how you feel about Christmas. I don't know if you love Christmas, maybe you hate Christmas. Uh, for me, it gives, brings all the good feels, the hot cocoa, Christmas movies. I love it. I look forward to it. Football. We're still in football right now. Big fan of football. How about Christmas movies? Who, who's a big fan of the elf out there? See, there's so much to love about Santa Claus, White Christmas. I'm literally like, the, this plane is landing. The more Christmas, I won't say anymore. I, just, I don't want to crash right now, crash and burn. But then eating, eating a lot, people love that. We all love eating a lot, right, right? Snow, two, three, two feet of snow. We're getting a white Christmas. We love snowboarding. When I think of Christmas, I think of the mountains. Whoop, yeep. So many good things to love about this time of the year. And I love this time of the year. But with all of those good things that we love so much about this time of the year, isn't it so easy for us to get distracted of why we celebrate this time of the year? We get so busy. I remember, I think it was last year, actually, uh, my family, we travel to North Carolina every year, and it is a trek. We drive with all of our kids, five kids, seven people in a vehicle, 24 hours. And we do it every year. And I don't know why we keep doing it every year. It's like pregnancy. Right afterwards, you forget how bad it was, and you're like, we should do that again. Not that I would know. But that's what I hear. And so we went to embark on this journey, and we didn't have a vehicle that could fit all of our family, so we invested in uh, a vehicle that was old and needed a lot of work. And so leading up to the holidays, where you always have a ton of extra money, <laughs> no. Oh, we ended up fixing up this vehicle to make this trek across uh, the country to visit my family. And we get everybody loaded in, and we travel all the way down to North Carolina, breaking down all along the way. Get to North Carolina, and it breaks down again. We end up spending right around $1,600 on my vehicle. Isn't that just a Christmas miracle? Isn't that what you want right when you get to a destination, <laughs> knowing full well, I don't know that this piece of junk is getting me back home. And we just dump that much money in this thing. And for us, Christmas went from all the good feels surrounded by family to a total nightmare. We did not have the money to fix the vehicle at the time at all. The whole family was getting sick. And in an instant, I was not a big fan of Christmas. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today. And every time Christmas comes around, you hate the holly jolly guy. You hate me. I get it. I wear the green flannels. I have a red Santa hat. You hate me because, and for you, this is the worst time of the year. 
You eat too much, you socialize too much, and you spend way too much money on stuff that really doesn't even matter. Anybody else in that category? Maybe for you, this time of the year brings about a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure. Like my, my family, my friends are buying me these things. Does that mean I have to buy them these things? Maybe you are suffering grief. The holidays are the absolute worst times for loss. Because then you remember, and if they were here, if they were here, and that really never seems to go away. And so for you, maybe the holidays are a time of loss. And so if that's you here today, I just want to let you know that we see you, uh, we love you. And if that is you here today, I want to let you know that we want to walk the journey of making this a better Christmas for you than it was last year. We want to celebrate with you. We want to bring you into our family, have dinner with you, and we want to make you feel loved and known in this house tonight. In addition to that, with the holidays and the craziness and the busyness of everything that's going on, we do lose sight. But the reality is that the birth of Jesus was the biggest deal of all of history. How can we lose sight of the biggest deal in this Christmas season of all of history? Think about the birth of Jesus. He literally splits time in two. Have you ever thought about that? We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate history, his Story, we're, we're divided between the B.C., the before Christ, and the A.D., which actually isn't after death. Did everybody think that's after death? It's actually a Latin word, anno domini. It means in the year of our Lord. And so right now, here we are 2019, celebrating the year of our Lord. Jesus' birth is a really, really big deal. He splits time in two. And so this is the perfect time of the year for us to not get busy, not get distracted with things that are very temporal in nature, but I think this is the perfect time of the year for us to focus on Jesus, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to make it very practical for you. We're going to dive into a text, and it's going to be awesome. We're talking about something very fascinating today, something I believe is going to help you. But some, let's get very practical with it real quick. This holiday season in December, some ways that you can keep your focus on Jesus and what's on the important thing is don't get so busy that you neglect reading the word and spending time in prayer. I'm gonna get very practical for just a second. Don't get so busy with the holiday parties and dinners and shopping or movies, or whatever else that you love Christmas. Don't get so busy that you neglect God's word and prayer. Keep, keep the relationship with God priority, number one. Number two, we'd love for you to keep showing up to church. Why is that such a big deal? It's because every time that we show up in church, we're gonna sing songs that's talking about the birth of Jesus. We're gonna talk with other people that are gonna encourage us and point us to Jesus. Our mission statement is meet people where they're important to Jesus, and we're gonna do that as a body. And then you're going to hear a message that's talking about the birth of Jesus. So if you don't want to lose focus on why we celebrate this season and remember Jesus, I encourage you, show up every Sunday. I mean, especially candlelight. You're not going to want to miss that. It's a very special Sunday. One of my favorites. We bring the whole family in here together. We try not to burn the place down. There's a lot of wood in here, you know. I think about that every candlelight, but it'll be okay. We're all going to make it out. So get very, very simple, very practical. Keep your priority as a relationship with Jesus. 
Relationship with God, number one. Spending time in the word and prayer. Don't get so busy that you neglect that. Don't get so busy that you neglect showing up for church and leaning into what God wants to teach you. Number three, when you're generous, be generous out of the overflow, not out of obligation. And what do I mean by that? Well, some of us around the Christmas season, we give gifts to feel better about ourselves. Or we give gifts because we feel like we're obligated to give gifts to a certain level. And the reality is, the reason that we give gifts is because this time of the year is because we've been given the best gift from Jesus. And so the best way to give gifts is to give out of the overflow, out of the gifts that God has given us, his grace. Therefore, we can give and we can serve and we can celebrate and remember and never feel drained and empty because we're giving it out of the overflow of what God is doing in our heart. So be generous out of the overflow and that'll help keep your focus on the main thing this season. You got it? Just trying, to, just trying to keep it practical. Trying to help people. Matthew 2. Matthew 2. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the first 12 verses. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible and want to get you a Bible, we have a bunch of Bibles right, at the, uh, right by the door on your way out. And we're also going to have the Bible on the screen behind me. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. <laughs> After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he asked them from where the Christ would be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him. Because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I can go worship him. Trying to say it in a very sinister way, because... He's a very sinister dude. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until they came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to sinister Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's pray before we dive into unpacking this text together. God, we're thankful for your birth. We're thankful that you came. You lived a perfect life and you died on a cross so that we could have life. God, we, re- we remember and we celebrate that birth. Father, we don't want to overlook a single detail. We believe that all of the accounts and all of the characters and all of the the stories and events surrounding your birth is important and that we can learn from them and that we can grow from them. So, Father, we pray that you would speak to us. Change us from the inside out, Father. Father, we know that where your spirit is present, life change happens. So we pray that your spirit would be the teacher today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last year, we looked at the events before Jesus' birth. And so we unpacked Zechariah, we unpacked Joseph and Mary, and it was a blast. 
I highly encourage you to go back, listen to the podcasts, get up to speed on where we are today, because what we're going to actually do this time around, this Advent season, we're looking back to the birth. There's not a whole lot that we know about, about the events and the characters surrounding the birth of Jesus. It's mentioned in two books of the Bible, Matthew and Luke. But what we do know, we want to extract every little bit that we can from the little bit that we do know. So we're actually going to work back, and tonight we're going to talk about the Magi, the wise men. Then we're going to talk about the shepherds that were there. Or no, then we're going to talk about the temple, the present day Jesus being presented at the temple. Then we're going to move back to the shepherds being there, and then we're going to talk about the birthplace of Jesus. Was it in a manger or a cave? Ooh. Does it even matter? I don't know. Maybe it does. We're going to talk about it. Let's first talk about the wise men. I want to uh, look at this. Do we have this timeline, Tony, that we could pull up on the screen? All right. Can you all read this? It's okay. It's okay if you can't because <laughs> it's the best one that I could find. But this is a very important timeline. As you can see, Jesus' birth is in the bottom left. There we see the accounts of Zechariah. Mary and Joseph, and then they travel to Bethlehem where we see the birth of Jesus. If you fast forward some time, we're picking up on the Magi when they visit Jerusalem. And you can see there's, this is a timeline, there's a span of gap of, of maybe one to two years between the birth of Jesus and when the wise men actually came to visit him. You, you always thought it was right there in the manger. He was a baby, but actually, actually not. There was, there was a span of time there about one to two years before the Magi showed up. I thought this was very insightful. I just wanted to give you a quick visual. Maybe it, it changed your life, maybe not. Moving on, let's keep moving on. All right, let's work through the, uh, the passage that we read today. The first thing that I want us to see is that these wise men took a journey to the king. The theme that we're talking about this entire series over the next four weeks is the king. So how many of you know that Jesus came as the king? We don't serve many kings. We serve the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be talking about the king. And then wise men left the east to journey to the king. We don't know a whole lot about the wise men. But what we do know is that they were Persian. They were Gentiles. They came from the east. It's often thought that they came from a town right outside of Babylon. Now, this was quite the trek. It's thought that they came for over 600 miles to visit Jesus. Now, that's, just, that's not in a car, and that's not by plane, okay? They're, they're caravaning this Hummer, 600 plus miles. Also, another fun fact about the wise men, how many wise men were there? Nobody knows. Ooh. Feel the awe in the room. Everything I ever knew was wrong, no, the scripture doesn't actually say that there were three wise men, does it? You're like, my Bible does. No, it doesn't. Look again. It says the wise men traveled. So it's actually thought that there was a, a caravan of wise men, so much so that when they landed in Jerusalem, as you see in the text, that people were kind of like taken back, like, whoa, who are, these, who are these people coming here talking about this new king? So they came rolling in deep. They were a squad, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like Pinewood. Where we go, we roll deep. Let's talk about the star for a second. These wise men, it says that they were following a star. I want you to imagine the narrative of these wise men for just a second. 
It's believed that they were astrologers, and, and here they see this star, and they're about to pack up their camels and about to head on a 600-plus mile journey. They didn't have a clue how long it was going to take them. Can you imagine that people thought that they were probably a little bit crazy? Where are you going? Not really sure. I don't know. What are you going to find when you get there? We don't have a clue. How much is that going to cost? Probably a lot. How long are you going to be gone? Don't know that either. And what I think is so fascinating about these magi, what I think is so fascinating about these wise men is, is that they set out on a journey to see a king that they didn't have a clue what was about to happen. And already I'm beginning to connect with them a little bit. Because how many times do you know that God calls you to do things that you don't have a clue how you're going to pay for it, how long it's going to take, how long it's going to get there, what you're going to find when you get there? But sometimes God says, hey, I'm gonna, I want you to go that way. And you're like, okay, trusting you on this one. I love the trust that these wise men have when they set out on this wild mission across the desert to visit all they knew of was a king. How did they even know to look for a star? It could have been one that they were Jews that had remained in Babylon after the exile. Two, they were Eastern astrologers that studied world manuscripts. Now, if they had world manuscripts, they were really wealthy. It's believed that the wise men were extremely wealthy and that they had these old ancient Jewish manuscripts. Another potential option is that they got a divine revelation from God. And he, said, he showed up and he said, hey, I want you to see that star. I want you to go there. And I, there's a fourth option that I think is actually kind of, uh, you, you can't 100% prove it, but I think it's a neat insight, is that I believe that they could have been descendants and disciples of Daniel. So you have Daniel, if you look back in Daniel chapter 9, who becomes the chief of the Magi and the astrologers, a man of God, faithful to God, leading the people. And this would have been about four or five generations deep of his discipleship. But what if Daniel poured into the Magi that would then pour into other Magi, pour into other Magi, so much so that here we have these Magi, these wise men, having been five generations disciple deep, studying the Jewish tradition, studying the old prophets, looking for a star. I think that's pretty neat. The importance of pouring in and making disciples. I think we see it in the Old Testament right here as well. It's also believed that these scholars, these wise men, were of all of the tribes of Judah. Now, why is this interesting to us today? Well, because we're Gentiles. These, these men are believed to have been from a lot of different parts of the world. And they were Gentiles that were traveled afar. Jesus did not only come for one tribe, one people, but we see at the very beginning of his coming to the earth, Jesus came for everybody, the whole world. And not only did we see that in Jesus saying for God in John 3, 16, for God sent his son so that he would say the whole world. We see it right here in his very birth that he, gee, God ordained to bring the whole world to the birth of his son Jesus as a representation that he's here for the whole world. What did these wise men know? In Numbers chapter 24, they would have known of Balaam's fourth prophecy. A star will come from Jacob and a scepter arise from Israel. 
So they would have known that there would have been a star that would have symbolized the coming of the Messiah from Numbers 24, verse 17. They would have also known Micah's prophecy in Micah 5, 2. Now, this, you got to imagine, these prophecies were, sev- this, is, this prophecy right here from Micah was 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, 700 years prior. And it says this, but you, Bethlehem, Epaphrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. This is a prophecy from the prophet Micah that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. I love how specific God is through all of the old prophecies to say, I'm going to make it as plain for you as possible. There's going to be a star, and it's going to be Bethlehem. They would have also known Daniel's prophecy. One of the uh, many biblical scholars believe that Daniel's prophecy, uh, found in chapter 9, verse 24, about the 70 weeks, well, if you, if you total that out in years, 70 times 7, it's actually 490 years and that would have been right around the exact same time that Jesus was born. You tracking with me here? Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, listen, to put a stop to sin, to atone for iniquity, and to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. The, the wise men they've been studying God's word and studying scriptures, would have known there's gonna be a star, it's gonna be in Bethlehem, and it's probably gonna be around this time. God is so intentional with our lives if we're looking for it and paying attention. I love how intentional he was with the wise men to direct them to the exact time and the exact moment in the exact way so that they could be there for the coming of the birth of Jesus. We see that they come into Jerusalem. They travel from afar and they come in searching for the king. And when they get there, what happens? The king gets disturbed and so does the whole city. And they traveled over 600 miles for this. What I find so interesting is that Bethlehem is five miles southeast from Jerusalem. These wise men traveled over 600 miles from a town near Babylon, and they're Gentiles. So not only is this not their king, but they trekked and spent a lot of money to come find the king. And what I began to think about that um, is you can be near and still not know. I find it so interesting that here you have the Jewish people five miles, scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests, five miles away from the where birth of Jesus is going to happen. They knew all of these same prophecies. There are th- this is a very conservative number, but there are 300 prophecies specific to the birth of Jesus found in the Old Testament. You can look them up. 300 prophecies specific to the birth of Jesus. And these are the chief priests and the scribes. They knew that. They knew all of the details. And yet, they weren't really interested. You see, the king Herod had spent a pretty decent amount of money to build him a nice, beautiful temple, an extravagant temple. Isn't it so crazy to think that there, how easily we can be distracted from what really matters? You have a beautiful temple. You have a nice, comfortable life. 
Things appear to be going your way. Let's not mess this up. But then you have the Gentiles traveling from afar saying, no, the king, is, the king is here. The king is coming. Oh, are you looking for the king? Which, which side are you on today? Are you kind of comfortable? Are you kind of close showing up to all the events but not really searching for the king? Are you like growing in knowledge but you're really not like trying to follow after where he's leading you? Have you become content? Have you become settled in where you are, comfortable? Or are you saying, no, I'm willing to take a risk to go just a little bit farther, to spend a little bit more resources, to go out into the danger a little bit, to go into the unknown a little bit because I wanna follow after where God is calling me and where God is leading me? Which side of, who are you right now? Are you the Jews in Jerusalem right now? I would say ignorantly, but I would say almost intentionally ignoring God's coming? Or are you saying, no, I want to look for it. I want to lean in. I want to be a part of this thing. You can be near and you can still not know. Number two, I love that they encounter a king. They set out on this crazy journey, but then also they encounter a king assembled all of the chief priests and the scribes. And look what he says. I I don't want to miss this part of the text. When he asks them about uh, the king coming, they they respond immediately. Of course, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him. And then they even recounted the prophets because this is what was written in the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will become a ruler who will shepherd my people. They just, they quoted it from memory. They knew but they didn't pursue. They knew, but they didn't pursue. I wanna challenge you today. If you know, pursue. We have the word of God. We have the accounts. We have the way, the truth, and the life. Let's not be content with where we are, but let's pursue Jesus. Let's talk about the King Herod for just a second. this This king was the worst. When I say sinister, that is the biggest understatement. This king was a horrible king, so much so that he murdered nine of his family members because he feared that they were trying to overthrow him or that they were trying to scheme against him. He murdered them. This was a horrible king. King Herod was a a, a bad, bad dude. And we're gonna even see later in the story that King Herod calls for the slaughter of every boy of under the age of two years old trying to kill who he thought would be the next king. And what I think is so interesting here is the king was battling. He had a choice to make. He could either fight for power or he could follow purpose. And he chose to fight for power and to fight for control, to fight for his position, to fight for his status. I believe that God's trying to tell us something right right here is you have a contrast of kings. You have King Herod, power-hungry, angry, jealous, scheming, focused on wealth and prosperity. And then you have the true king, King Jesus, who came to bring love, who was a humble servant, who came to... Build people up, not tear people down. You have King Jesus who came to serve and not to be served. 
who was not power hungry, but actually came to elevate people and to raise them up and to give them the power of the Holy Spirit. King Herod, who brought about death to everybody, but Jesus, who comes to bring life to all. You have a contrast of kings right now. I think the the choice is pretty clear. What king are you going to choose today? What kind of king do you want to lord over your life? Who is your master? Who is your king? Is it King Herod or is it King Jesus? We see in, uh, last thing is number three, that they, they worship the king of kings. Uh, one little nuance to the text that, that I can't help but notice, this was insightful to me, was that it says that they, the word there, that he was a child, Jesus was no longer an infant. It's thought that he was between one or two years old. And it also says that they were in a house. They weren't in a manger or a cave. So that at this point in time, that they, they kind of settled into a house, Jesus was no longer a baby, and the wise men come to visit him. And what do they bring him? They bring him pretty, I thought, pretty rare gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Does that seem like a typical gift you would bring to a child? Maybe like rocks and sticks. Like, that would be, like, really cool. Like, something that you would make with rocks and sticks. My kids love rocks and sticks. It's like their favorite toy. We buy them toys. They want rocks and sticks. And duct tape. And they get extremely creative. But what I want us to see is that these gifts were providential and prophetic. These gifts that the the wise men gave were providential and prophetic. They were providential. Why? Because Mary and Joseph were really poor. There's some nuances to the text that we can discover that they were broke. Shout out to the poor people. God can use you in your brokenness, okay? They were poor, they were broke, but God was providential in bringing these gifts to them just at the right time. Why? Because just when King Herod was about to call the, make the decree that to kill all of the newborns between under the ages of two, God calls them out in a dream. He tells them to get out of Bethlehem to Egypt. And God, in his providential love, gives them these gifts so that they have enough resources to get out of Bethlehem and make it to Egypt. So they were providential in nature, but they were also prophetic. And I want to show you why they were prophetic right now. First is they were bringing gold. Gold is a gift. In in the Parthia custom, which is what these uh, wise men were, you never approached a king without bringing gold. So whenever they're bringing gold, it's not just because they had it laying around. No, it's prophetic in nature. Why? Because they are acknowledging and they're recognizing that Jesus is king. They already acknowledged it before Herod the king. Isn't it interesting that when they acknowledged Herod, they didn't even acknowledge Herod. They were just like, uh, we're here to see the king of the Jews. And they're bringing gold to acknowledge that Jesus is king. I think it's important that as we examine Christmas and we think about Jesus as king, we not look at Jesus as, as, as on our level. I think that's easy for us to do like, oh, what a cute baby, Jesus. No, 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 Jesus is king. From the time that he came out of Mary, his womb, he's king king of all kings. So even as an infant, they fall on their knees, they kneel, and they worship him, king. Not just king of the Jews, king of the world. 
King, King. When we talk about seeking the kingdom, we seek the kingdom first, as the scripture calls us to, because we believe that we serve a king who oversees that kingdom, and when he has his will, we see his kingdom fulfilled here on earth. We serve a king, the best king, the king of kings. Not one that wanted to have a throne, but one, and, but one that wanted to live in people's hearts through love and through the cross. Next, we see that, and this is another strange gift, but frankincense. Why bring a baby frankincense? Anybody ever wondered why these gifts? Maybe it's okay. I did. I did. And that's because this is a gift of worship. You would offer frankincense or incense to a high priest. So back in the tabernacle days, you had sections. You had the holy place, but then you had the holy of holies. Well, as you walk into the tabernacle in the Old Testament, as you're wanting to approach the presence of God, you would have first approached what's known as the, the, the incense, the table of incense. And we see this in the story with Zechariah. He walks in, and this is his time, and he's, he's the table of incense, and, and he's recognized he's a prey, and that's where he gets the vision. But what they were saying right here is that Jesus is our high priest. Number one, with the gold, he's our king. Number two, he's our high priest. The Latin word for priest is pontifex, which means a bridge builder. And the priest is the man who builds a bridge between men and God. Jesus is our high priest. So when he died, paid the penalty for sin, was buried and rose again, he was the bridge builder. He was the high priest that made a way from man to God. So no longer did we need a high priest to make the daily ritual of the sacrifice that Hebrews says that we know didn't actually take away sins, but no, we needed a sacrifice, a one and only sacrifice for sins that took away sins forever. And Hebrews says that after he made that, that price, paid that price for sins, guess what he did? He sat down at the right hand of the Father because it was finished. So he's our king. He's our king. So we submit to our king, but he's our high priest. There's no other way to the Father but through Jesus and his blood. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except but by through me. So we know that he's our high priest. And ooh, this is good. Myrrh. Now this is the weirdest of all of the gifts. Why would you give a baby myrrh? Myrrh was given to somebody that was going to die. So why would you give a baby a gift for him to die? Because this gift was a gift of death. And this pronounces Jesus as Savior, Redeemer. At the, in John 19, 39, at the end of his life, Jesus' life is bookmarked with myrrh. In the beginning, he was given myrrh, and at the end, in John 19, 39, it says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 100 pounds. Jesus. Myrrh, myrrh is the product that you would use to embalm somebody in and wrap them in. It's a spice. And Jesus was born to die for you and I. He was born our Savior. So we have our King, our High Priest, and we have our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So these gifts were no ordinary gifts. This was by no accident that God 
revealed a star. It was by no accident that God put the prophecies in place. It was by no accident that these Gentiles came over 600 miles to fall at the feet of Jesus representing the world and to offer these gifts to represent that Jesus is our king. He's our high priest and he's our savior. And I want to ask you tonight, have you made Jesus your king? Have you made Jesus your high priest? And have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? This is the reason we celebrate the season as Jesus. Everything else is fun. But in all reality, if we overlook this, then we overlook the main thing. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I just want you to contemplate for just a second the story of the, the, story of the wise men the story of these magi. I want you to envision them laying these gifts at Jesus' feet. I want you to envision them looking at this baby, baby boy, one to two years old, and this whole house. I want you to imagine the reverence on their face. In this moment, this reverence over the divine taking on flesh, the incarnation of God becoming man. I just want to take in the moment. This is what it's all about. Jesus came. He came and he was born to die. And that baby is our Savior. King Jesus. God, we love you so much. God, we're so thankful for King Jesus. We're so thankful for the way that you orchestrated all of the details with Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary, Joseph, and even the stable and and how you orchestrated the wise men to come. Jesus, you're so intentional with the details. No detail is wasted on you, Father. You want us to draw closer to you. You want us to understand you more. So, Father, tonight we declare you king. We recognize you as our holy priest. And, Jesus, we recognize you as our Savior, the one who came, the one who lived the perfect life, and the one who pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus, we believe that you are risen and at the right hand of the Father. So Father, we declare that you are alive today and that you want to live in us. So Father, I just pray if anybody is here today that does not have a personal relationship with you, that today would be the day they would say, I make you king. I make you high priest. I make you savior. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.